Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. <laughs> Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Bet the Edge, I'm Jay Croucher. Uh, it is the day of reckoning for Los Angeles Lakers tonight. I'm finally kicked off. We're going to talk about the NFL today, get back into it. So let's bring in Drew Dinsick and Brad Spielberger of PFF. Brad, great to see you uh, today. Sorry that uh, your Chicago Bulls are not participating in the conference finals, uh, maybe 2026. Uh, let's talk about Jul- uh, June 1, which is a big day. Um, the salary cap landscape in the NFL. Any teams that you think could make some big moves uh, before then? I think the biggest one right now is the Chicago Bears. Add a bunch of extra draft capital, obviously trading down twice uh, during the 2023 draft. The the notable one being going from one to nine with Carolina, have an extra first next year, an extra second the year after that. They were very clear that they, you know, did not get enough help at the edge, um, you know, particularly pass rushers off the edge. And even GM Ryan Poles was kind of on local Chicago radio saying there are options out there. There are veterans, maybe even trade candidates. We saw Zadarius Smith go to the Cleveland Browns, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a bit. Um, I think Chicago is going to be pretty aggressive in this this trade market for a top end edge rusher. Yeah, there's been uh, some non-trivial buzz that Chase Young is potentially on the move from the Washington Commanders, and I don't know if I can find a better fit for you than uh, Chicago in terms of who they have personnel-wise and a, you know, a, a huge upgrade, presumably for both parties there. Um, but uh, yeah, that is a fun one to look at. Um, let's uh, get your thoughts on probably one of, I think, at least the most important questions to answer between now and when we actually kick the season off. The Number two choice in the NFC right now is going to start someone at quarterback who is an unknown at this moment, which seems impossible to wrap my head around. Um, For the most part, the teams that are at the top of the board have established quarterbacks who we know and can expect are going to give you a solid performance throughout the year. However, the 49ers in the NFC, uh, you know, are going to go off in the three to one range and it could be Sam Darnold. It could be Trey Lance. Hell, they could put, Brock Purdy with his reconstructed elbow out there relatively earlier than expected. Um, what are you reading and in, in, in what are you hearing as far as, you know, how the 49ers are going about their offseason in preparation for uh, potentially starting uh, someone like Sam Darnold this year? Yeah, I think it is entirely reasonable that we see Sam Darnold start a couple games for them. I, I think Trey Lance is going to get moved maybe before week one, um, or if not, it's not really a good sign. It's more a sign they just couldn't find a suitor for him. Uh, not that they all of a sudden you know fell back in love with him like they did many years ago. So I think it's a little bit crazy as well. I think we have gone a little bit too far with you know Kyle Shanahan's offense being quarterback agnostic and and all these things. I get that you know to a degree it has shown that it is, but I think we're going to be taking that to an extreme. I think I've told this story on the show before, but it kind of reminds me of like the Chiefs back in 2019 
when they kept winning playoff games without an offensive line and the Buccaneers just absolutely mollywopped them because they couldn't block anything. Like, I think we're kind of doing the same thing here with the Niners. Uh, to me on this board, I think a little bit of value has been lost, but Dallas still jumps out to me um, at six and a half to one here. I just think they got better this offseason. Dak Prescott missed a bunch of games last year. I do not buy this narrative that McCarthy's going to run the ball a ton. Um, I think he's still going to be – he always has been historically a pass-happy offensive coordinator, maybe not to the degree of Kellen Moore, um, but I think they'll still be you know top 10 in pass rate over expected, all those things. Yep, that makes sense to me. Uh, with the Niners – I think certainly they have a lower floor than your average team that starts the season plus 350 to win the conference. Uh, and looking at the division, they're minus 175 to win the NFC West. The Seahawks are plus 275. Rams plus 550. I'm going to go ahead and write off the Cardinals at 25 to 1. Uh, I think the Seahawks are everyone's kind of pick as the team to challenge the 49ers. But with the Rams, do, do you think the Rams are just done that there's been too much of a talent drain? Like, I go back to thinking that, you know, this team did win the Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, still got the same quarterback, still the, the two big superstar uh, teammates in Cup and Donald. But do you think they've just lost too much to really be a contender this season? I really do. I mean, I think in particular, look at the trenches and obviously the offensive line finally caught up to them, you know, last year and even, you know, was kind of a, a sore spot even before then. And now it's on paper, you know, probably one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And then even with Aaron Donald on the list, and I think he might be the best defensive lineman, maybe defensive player of all time. They have a bottom five defensive line in the NFL, too. I mean, go look at their depth chart. Uh, and, and tell me a, a note about a guy not named Aaron Donald. Tell me a, a stat about him where he played college football. Tell me anything about a single guy in that, uh, that lineup, and I probably wouldn't believe you. And you look at the <laughs> secondary, it's, it's not much better. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to be a bad football team. I do – like, I'm not betting unders. Like, I'm afraid of the, you know, the floor of a Sean McVay, like you mentioned. You still have Stafford Cup um, and Aaron Donald, but I, I would be shocked if they're a playoff you know, contender. I, I was going to try to come up with some funny fact, but I, I got nothing. <laughs> Many of these guys, Bob, Bobby Brown, the third, maybe he uh, is better than we all think. Who knows? Um, but no, I think so. It, let's, so if we kind of go through the mental exercise, the Seahawks definitely maybe lacking a little bit of the elite upside to take on the Niners in the NFC West. So if, if we kind of accept the idea that the market is relatively correct here, that the Niners are going to get into the 11 win range, get back into the playoffs with a relatively high seed, um, and they're going to potentially do it with the likes of a Sam Darnold or even a, just a three headed monster between Darnold, Lance, and then Purdy, um, you know, does that open the door for an obvious bet on Shanahan coach of the year? Or what do you do with that information if we kind of, kind of try to? you know, synthesize, yes, the Niners are going to be great, but they're going to be doing it without a quarterback. It's a good question. I think you do start to wonder, has he fallen into that bucket of like, it's impossible for him to win coach of the year now, right? Where we just, we held him in such high regard that, you know, Bill Belichick obviously hasn't won it in, you know, however long, like he, he might just be in that, in that group of, of coach where it's just impossible for him to win it, but he should be like, if they do win this division, if they're a two or three seed, maybe even a one seed somehow in the NFC, he should be, you know, one of the favorites in this, um, you know, in that race, but I'm sure the odds aren't too great. Uh, I haven't checked, but I'm sure they're not great. 
Jeez, still talking about Carl Shanahan, coach of the year. Brad, I'm not sure if I told you <laughs> before, but I had a monster bet on Shanahan at 40 to 1 to win coach of the year. I really thought he was going to win when the season ended. And then uh, not only did he lose by three votes, uh, but on my flight home from Radio Row in Phoenix, I was sitting in the seat behind Brian Dayball, uh, which is a real, a real kick to the teeth. Uh, seems like a lovely man, though, Brian. And uh, yeah, good job by him this season. Uh, I mean, Shanahan at 30 to 1. I think that. The only way that he could win Coach of the Year is if, if Sam Darnold is quarterback for a significant chunk of the season. Because we've already seen Brock Purdy's Kyle Shanahan Coach of the Year case, and it didn't win. Uh, so I think that he needs he needs another quarterback off the scrap heap to actually win Coach of the Year. Uh, so, yeah, if Sam Darnold ends up starting half the season and then Purdy comes in and they just keep rolling and they go 14-3, and three, which is probably, I think, the bare minimum that he needs to win Coach of the Year, then I can think he can be right there. But uh, yeah, Jay, go ahead. have I warmed you up at all on Sam Darnold as comeback player of the year live in the 50 to one range? I mean, it's just such a strange market to price because sure. of Demar Hamlin. Uh, and I'm in the camp that if he takes a single snap, then he's just going to, he's just going to win. Uh, it's going to be a, an Alex Smith type situation where I thought that as soon as Alex Smith took the field, I thought the award was dead. I thought the fact that um, he was Alex Smith after he started that game, I think against the Rams where Donald sacked him like four times or whatever, and he threw for 39 yards. Alex Smith was still like plus 175 to win comeback player of the year after that. I thought that was one of the great bets. I think Hamlin, uh, I think he will probably just win. But if he if he doesn't factor in because he's not playing football, then certainly Sam Darnold um, could be in the mix. But yeah, it's very strange to think about. It's a very strange award this season. Anyway, before we get into the team that I think is the most compelling in the NFL, at least the highest variance, which is the Cleveland Browns, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Cleveland Browns, Brad. Uh, I think this team has as much upside as anyone who are in the 16 to 20 to 1 range to win their conference. Uh, obviously, they make the big trade addition with Zadarius Smith. I mean, what do you think of this team's chances to, to win the division, to make the playoffs, and to contend in the AFC? Yeah, I mean, I look at the money, and whenever you have the most expensive roster in the NFL for both this year and next year, you better do something. Uh, you know, they, they need to be, yeah, uh, a competitive football team. And that was before they acquired Zadarius Smith. I don't even have his money officially on the books yet, but I think I saw he's going to make about $12 million. So, um, look, Zadarius Smith had more pressures last year than every non-Miles Garrett pass rusher for Cleveland combined. It is a big addition for them. Yes, he needs to stay healthy, but I think you get him again, just like he was opposite to Neil Hunter. Now he has Miles Garrett. I love in sub packages. We have Agbok Aranko on the outside, probably kicks the Darius Smith inside um, on third downs. And those three guys plus Dalvin Tomlinson is a formidable group of pass rushers um, you know, that, that will give a guy like a Joe Burrow, like a Kenny Pickett, some trouble, um, you know, in the division itself. So, you know, the Browns are 425 plus 425 on DraftKings. I see the 350, 350 here. Um, I, I still think that's kind of a bet in this division. It's a gauntlet. But like you said, the upside is so, so high. Oh boy, this one's tough. Um, talent, yes. Uh, in fact, actually, like a roster that's built to put away a lead, right? Like if these guys ever choke a lead this season, something's gone horribly wrong. They have now an elite pass rush combined with an elite rushing game. Like if they get uh, a seven point lead on you in the second half of a football game, like you're probably cooked. That said, 
I'm very concerned about the fit between Watson and, uh, you know, Stefanski. I know Stefanski was a guy that, you know, we held up pretty high regard, uh, you know, and, you know, is definitely a guy whose system I think will ultimately succeed in the NFL. But for whatever it's worth, the, the small sample we got last year, it was oil and water with what Watson was trying to do and what Stefanski was setting him up for. And uh, I don't know that one off season necessarily solves that. And uh, you know, to me, at least there are enough other very, very good teams in the AFC North that uh, I, I worry a bit that if they don't come out the gate out of the gate strong, um, you know, Stefanski finds himself in hot water with this, as you mentioned, most, ex- you know, extremely expensive team Browns start out, hosting the Bengals. They go at the Steelers, host the Titans, host the Ravens. So they get all three of their divisional foes in the first four weeks of the season, two of them at home. Um, so presumably you, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with the, uh, the wicked, uh, you know, Lakeshore wins in division uh, with some of those home games falling earlier on the calendar. But um, yeah, I mean, if this offense doesn't get off to a flying start, I think we're talking about uh, serious questions swirling uh, on their bye week week five. Um, so it's, it, I'm not going to get involved with the Browns uh, at this point. And, you know, I, I almost need to see, Watson proved me wrong that he, uh, you know, he's going to fit in this system before I ultimately just cave in and, and upgrade them as far as power rating. Are you going to get involved with the Browns earlier than that, Jay? Uh, probably. I mean, it's a difficult way to f- to find. It's difficult to find ways to bet the Browns outside of the division. I think. I think just the AFC price. I think every team in the AFC is. It's just difficult to find value because you're dealing with the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Ravens. There are just so many great teams. Not even to mention teams like the Jets and the Chargers and the Jags. It's just absolutely loaded. I think the good thing about betting the Browns, though, is that you really you just need one thing to go right for them to be a juggernaut, and that's for Deshaun Watson to get back to being a top five, seven quarterback. Whereas if you look at teams who are similarly priced in the outright, like, say, the Broncos, you need Russ to to get better again. You need the defensive line to lift. You need skill position players like Cortland Sutton to take a lift. Like, with the Browns, Brad, do you think that the rest of the roster is in such a spot that if the Sean Watson just gets back to being, say, a top eight quarterback, that all of a sudden that's a potential Super Bowl team? Yeah, 100%. I think the big thing was the defensive talent was always there. Not always there. They got better. But but Jim Schwartz is probably one of the bigger, you know, defensive play caller upgrades of the entire offseason. Like a lot of people are falling sure. in love with Miami because of Vic Fangio for good reason. Uh, Jim Schwartz, in my opinion, is kind of in that caliber of coach. Um, so, yeah, I really do. You add some more tertiary receiving weapons, you know, beyond um, – you know, just Amari Cooper, I, like you said, if he goes back to top eight status, I do think they, they have juggernaut potential. Okay. Cleveland Browns. Not the most fun team to bet on, I have to say. <laughs> season, but, uh, there might be some value there to win the division. All right. Uh, every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. For the world's greatest athletes. 
This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. We're going to do what no other podcast or uh, content kind of operation has done so far this offseason. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, maybe we just own this space for the next few months. Just talk about Bucks offseason. Uh, they are plus 500 to win the NFC South. They are the fourth favorite to win, uh, I think pretty fair to say, the worst division uh, in football with uh, the Jags propping up the AFC South. Uh, do you think there's any hope? For this team, Brad, do you think that there's any chance that, you know, they could be a 9-8 and eight team that contends for the division? Not really. I think the downgrade from Tom Brady to, to, to Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, whoever it may be, uh, is gigantic. I do think going from Byron Leftwich to a somewhat unknown commodity in Dave Canales, that offensive coordinator probably could be an upgrade. I mean, Byron Leftwich was the king of run-run pass and, and just, you know, didn't even try to score last year, frankly. So, um, but no. Uh, I don't. I mean, they have a lot, a lot of injuries. Like, you could point to things. They do have talent. They had a ton of injuries last year. But also, like, injuries to older players. Like, are, are Ryan Jensen, Shaq Barrett, are those guys going to come back and be great football players? History tells us probably not. So, um, I would say no. I, I do not have a ton of faith in, in the Bucks getting back to the playoffs. Yeah. it's The talent is there on defense. There's just the questions swirling about quarterback. And the fact that you even threw – as a toss-up <laughs> between Trask and Baker Mayfield. Not a great <laughs> sign. Um, yeah, six and a half. This is another one which is tricky because uh, you, I can see a scenario where uh, the defense is at full strength and uh, you know the receiving core at full strength that you have a couple of uh, early season performances that may kind of steer the market to adjust these guys aggressively up. Like, oh yeah, uh, tr- oh Brady wasn't even that good last year. Uh, everybody's healthy this year. Like, oh yeah, we these guys should be, uh, you know, power rated as, you know, two, three points better than average. And then all of a sudden it all comes crashing down as you realize, oh, wait, we went to war with Baker Mayfield. Um, but, you know, there's there's enough talent outside of the quarterback position that I don't think you can necessarily uh, completely write them off. And I don't I think their offensive coordinator, a little bit of an unknown, um, Dave. Canales uh, is replacing Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich was a big part of the problem last year, from what I can tell you. Uh, and I do think that that you know has, has the potential to be an upgrade. Uh, and for what it's worth, as you're looking at these teams and these very uninspiring rosters in the NFC South, you can take a shot and pick a horse against the Saints here and get a pretty decent price in the NFC South. Uh, if not the Bucks for you, Brad, then who? I mean, it's weird because there's not really great value anywhere. But honestly, I think the Saints at plus money, even as the favorite, because if you're basically getting the Saints two rookie quarterbacks, essentially what Ritter started four games last year. Um, and, and I'm, you know, if you're a Ritter guy that also, you know, I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan. I think he's a solid player, but um, and then, yeah, we're talking Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. So I'm not the hugest Derek Carr guy either. I think their defensive line has issues, but. 
they're plus money in, in, like you said, the worst division in football. I mean, you just look at the season win totals. Theirs is, what, two games ahead at least of every other team in the division. Yeah, it's, it's not a fun one to bet. But I, honestly, I think if, if I had to place a bet, it'd probably be on New Orleans. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, all these other teams are just so uninspiring and the thought of riding with Desmond Ritter or a, a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young or uh, the great Baker Mayfield. What, what do you think happened to Baker Mayfield, Brad? Because, I mean, his PFF grades, I think, in his first and third seasons were pretty impressive. Uh, and, I mean, he came into his fourth year as, I think, like a top 10 favorite to win MVP. And then all of a sudden, the wheels have just fallen off. Is Do you think it's something physical, mentally, just fallen off a cliff? What's your kind of theory on Baker? I honestly think he just didn't develop like touch passing, like doesn't just doesn't like know how to, um, you know, just do a lot of like the little nuances of quarterback play. He just throws a laser every single time, puts his entire body into every throw. I think he's a little bit transparent in what he's trying to do. Um, and I don't think it's like a mental thing. I think he just like that's kind of the skill set you get with him. Yeah, this is probably his last opportunity at a, at a starting gig. Um, and, and I think it'll be the, the last one we see him have. Yeah, I was kind of guilty of getting involved in the Baker hype and the Cleveland hype uh, in that season after they the season after they they win a playoff game in impressive fashion against the the mighty Steelers, who ultimately uh, you know turned out to be not that great. Uh, and then all you know they pushed the uh, they pushed the Chiefs in a game that Patrick Mahomes didn't finish. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like they uh, they were getting power rated uh, to the degree that was not sustainable. While at the same time, it does I think you nailed it. The league adapted the defense to take away the one thing that Baker Mayfield was good at naturally, and he never developed the complementary skill set to succeed in an environment where they were, you know, just kind of compl- do the do the easy stuff, matriculate the ball, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't turn it over, don't take the key sack. And uh, I honestly, I, going full circle, I, that's the back of my head i worry about watson not being able to kind of adapt to that environment as well which is which would be wild of the browns kind of reliving the same uh experience twice but uh jay are you uh are you buying into the likes of the buccaneers at a price like five to one to win this miserable division no i don't think so uh, i can't get involved <laughs> with the box i was all i was all in on the baker mayfield comeback player of the year train last season before the season started just thinking that we hadn't seen enough bad Baker to write him off. And then we saw enough bad Baker last year to uh, to pretty uh, co- comprehensively write him off. So no interest for me in the Bucks at 5-1. to one. I think the Falcons are the most interesting team in the division in terms of upside to dethrone the Saints. Um, but there's, I just don't really see the upside in Desmond Ritter either. So maybe they have enough uh, around him. But yeah, not a, not a lot of uh, optimism for them either. Drew, what okay. do you think? I, I got to ask Brad one more question as our as our resident uh, uh, roster construction maven. Um, if there's a bunch of talented pieces on this roster that are making some serious money, but the Bucks ultimately are going to be the fourth best team in this division this year, you know, which of these pieces are realistically going to be sought after as like parts for a contender? And, you know, do you think we actually see some, uh, you know, some attrition on this roster before we even get to week one? Every time I say this, I get yelled at. I understand he is a fan favorite and, and a hopefully lifetime Buccaneer. Mike Evans is the most obvious trade candidate in the entire NFL. He's on the last year of his contract. <laughs> he probably still wants like really you know, top end money. He deserves it, frankly. Um, and, and they're just like, there's just no reason to keep him around when you can probably get some decent draft capital. And then I think he turns 30 next year. So I'm sure it doesn't happen. I think he wants to just stay in Tampa for his career. But he's like the most obvious trade candidate I've ever seen from a financial standpoint. Yeah. 
That makes sense to me. Let's get him to Baltimore. Let's get uh, Lamar Jackson <laughs> another weapon. All right, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you can find everything of mine on pff.com and, and on Twitter at pff underscore Brad. Filing the offseason a little bit, mostly working on my short game and, and off the tee. Um, but but all jokes aside, you can also uh, you can see some content coming out. There are still some free agents left out there. So everything roster construction over at PFF. Okay, very good. And good luck to your Bulls. Hope they get Wenbanyama tonight. Probably a pretty low chance, but uh, but you never know. Good luck. Never know. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. All right, final thoughts, Drew. Uh, I've got one to throw at you, actually. A mm-hmm. uh, little bet that I've made recently. Sure. Uh, so... Matt LaFleur, coach of the year, is 25 to 1. They're plus 400 thereabouts to win the division. So about a 20% chance to win the division. And I think that if they win the division, uh, I think that Matt LaFleur is going to get all of the credit uh, for Jordan Love, particularly because he was in the mix for coach of the year twice with Aaron Rodgers, the two Rodgers MVP seasons, and he just didn't win because people couldn't separate out, well, is it LaFleur's coaching or is he just have Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback for him? I think if the Packers are good and they have an incredibly easy start to the season with their schedule, they play in a pretty weak division. Uh, And I think that you really, you just need, again, it's like the Cleveland thing in terms of their main contender. You just need one thing to go right for LaFleur, and that's for Jordan Love to be good. And he's probably not good but i think there is a material chance that he is then if he is i think the rest of the roster is still a fair bit of talent there i mean this was a team that was you know what a one seed two years ago um and was good enough to, around aaron Rodgers um to get him an M- a couple of mvps so do you think that uh 25 to 1 is uh, appetizing on matt lafleur 25 to 1 absolutely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no i think uh i think the name of the game for the coach of the year market is NFC only shop in the NFC only uh, and pick a team that right now is kind of expected to be in that kind of middle tier miasma that you think could ultimately win their division and get a top two seed because somebody's going to jump up there and get it. Uh, the Eagles schedule extremely tough. Uh, Brad brought up the Cowboys being, uh, you know, live. I agree with that, but oh man, speaking of Cowboys, what a spot that would have been for Mike Evans instead of Brandon Cooks. Like, holy smokes, that's much better offense if they went in that direction. Anyway, um, the uh, no, the, the the schedule for all of the NFC East teams is extremely tough. If the Eagles get the one seed again in the in NFC, I'll be blown away. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, if if somebody in that kind of mix who's expected to be a five hundred team leaps up and takes a one or two seed in a, in a, uh, a very uh, winnable NFC, then that's your that's your coach of the year favorite for the balance of the season. And uh, Michael Floor and Green Bay, I think, definitely have that potential. Uh, the only kind of counter I can offer you is that they still have Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator, and he does not really right. seem to understand how to work with the parts that he's been given. Um, and so if the defense does not gel and play a lot better than they did last season, then it is going to be very much up to Matt LaFleur developing Jordan Love aggressively uh, to get wins. So that's uh, maybe the only thing that I would uh, think of is that LaFleur kind of has to succeed in spite of his defensive coordinator and uh, and develop this quarterback. I like it. Well, three things. One, great use of miasma. Two, I think coach of the year, it's, it's largely you're looking at teams who are projected in like the six to nine win range to improve by four or five wins. Uh, relative to expectations. And Green Bay are right in the middle of that, where their over-under is like seven and a half. And if they get to 11 or 12 wins, then LaFleur is right there. Yeah. And the big thing with Coach of the Year is you're looking 
for teams who make that kind of improvement and that leap where you don't have a superstar quarterback stealing credit from you. Because yeah. this award so rarely goes to a team with a superstar quarterback because it's the Rodgers thing where you just can't see. People don't know how to separate credit. And so there are exceptions like Belichick and Brady, but that was Bill Belichick. Uh, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh won the year that Lamar won MVP. But I think that was such a unique offense and Lamar kind of emerged from nowhere where he wasn't established as a superstar before that, that Harbaugh got a lot of the credit. So I think LaFleur, he kind of fits the mold there. And then the third thing is, is that right now, basically the two favorites for the award, Matt Eberflus and Dan Campbell. And if LaFleur wins the division, then he's knocked out the two favorites because they can't win <laughs> yeah. if LaFleur wins the division. So I think there's a lot of things pointing um, to Matt LaFleur. He's 30 to one on MGM. Um, so I think that that is, uh, that is absolutely a bet. So uh, yeah, go pack, go. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks again to Brad Spielberger from PFF. Thanks to you, Drew Dinsick. Uh, from myself, Jay Croucher, me and Drew will be back tomorrow. Cheers.